You're about to enter Nowhere, California. If you like what you hear, please search for us on iTunes. Uh, look at Nowhere, California, all one word. You can also find us on Facebook.com slash Nowhere, California. Please hit like. And as always, we are very hungry for your feedback. So if you have any requests or anything like that, please send your love, your hate, or your apathy to Nowhere underscore California at Yahoo.com. Welcome to Nowhere, California presents our conversation with Terry Weisman. It's Josh, and I'm sitting down to talk with Terry Wiseman on the phone about his uh, great comedy, The A-Plate. It's a uh, comedy centered around the world of used cars and the hierarchy of the used car world. So, as always, I'm going to just keep my mouth shut and let you get to the conversation because it's a lot better than this intro. Here you go. We are now joined by Terry Wiseman. How is your day going today? It's going great, Josh. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Um, doing uh, something I love to do is talk to some great filmmakers. Uh, I guess the best way to start with uh, these interviews is uh, when did your passion for filmmaking begin? I guess uh, it it really started uh, back in the mid '80s. Uh, I didn't do anything about it then, but I was uh, coming off of uh, you know I was doing stand up comedy at the time, and I actually thought I was going to write television. So I wrote uh, a lot of spec scripts at the time, which were um, and I was flying back and forth to California, and I was thinking of getting some representation. And then I thought, gee, I'm not so sure. I just uh, began to raise a family, and I wasn't so sure I wanted to move from the East Coast to the West Coast. So I thought, well, what could I do other than that? And uh, at the time, it seemed like, well, let me try uh, putting these television scripts down and seeing if I could write a movie. And so I, I think uh, it would be fair to say that I started to write a movie without knowing what I was doing around 1985. Oh, that's awesome. So basically you kind of went the trial by fire route. You didn't do any kind of like schooling or anything for it? Actually, I did. Once I saw that I, I, I needed to know what I was doing but also enjoyed what it was I, I was already doing, I, I did take some courses. There used to be um, classes up in Maine at the Film and Television Workshop, and I took uh, screenwriting, and I took a few classes up there, uh, which were month-long um, resident kind of uh, uh, arrangements. We went up there for either a week or a month, and you and you lived in residence up there, and I did that a few times. And then I also took a director's uh, workshop up there and an actor's workshop, even though I never acted, I wanted to be able to, you know, get a sense of what that felt like. Um, so I did that, and I went to uh, some of the local universities here when they would offer either night classes on screenwriting or weekend classes. So I did get uh, an informal education on it, so to speak. That's a good way to do it, get in both sides of the camera with the acting and the directing workshops. Uh, was yep. there any uh, filmmakers that were your favorites uh, that you looked up to early in your career? Uh, actually, yes. Um, well, obviously, uh, it, well, not obviously, but I was, uh, uh, you know, uh, attracted to Woody Allen and and, and Mel Brooks, and, and I still credit three today uh, that I still uh, use something from all the time, and they're the three Brooks is Mel Brooks, there's James Brooks, and then there's Albert Brooks, all writers, all filmmakers, um, and... Um, I really learn a lot from most of their films. Of course, I like uh, Cameron uh, Crowe and uh, James Cameron and all, all those films, but they don't really speak to... Uh, James Cameron doesn't really speak to the kind of films that I like to make. Yeah, the three books as you speak of are brilliant comedic geniuses. I think so, yes. I think so. Um, so, 
this leads us into talking about the A-plate. Um, what led you into writing this script? Well, as I've been pursuing my writing uh, and directing uh, and movie-making career, I was working in the car industry. And you know, I've seen a lot of uh, films or I've seen a lot of uh, car dealerships or salespeople portrayed in that really negative, negative way, just that stereotype uh, used so often. And I can see where people get that from, but I thought there was some truth in it. If you could pull the truth out of that, uh, you could find the comedy from it. Because, you know, the car business is a difficult business. Car salespeople are probably the most honest people I know in general uh, that I've worked with over the years and have worked for me. Uh, but overall, I think if I took the stereotype of the salesman and the environment that people think the dealership is, I thought that it was a comedy there. I really did. I thought we could take some comic elements from that and uh, and do something with it. So I started working on that, which happened to be my second film that I made, uh, obviously learning from my first. So, yeah, I, I think that's where I got it from. That's awesome. I, I work in sales too. I work in the retail uh, world of Target. It, and your script for A-Plate, uh, were there any true life events that you uh, threw into the script just because they were too insane to actually be real, but would be perfect for the script. <laughs> no, actually, no. Uh, I think I think if you really take the real life things, uh, they would be a little too mundane for for a comedy, you know. Um, so I can't say I really took anything actual, but I did take the essence of again what what people seem to think goes on, and I just exaggerated that to try to squeeze the comedy out of it. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Um, what are some of the traits that you look for in your cast and crew before uh, production starts? Well, I, uh, first of all, I I think I can read people pretty well, and I want if I'm if I'm going to do a film with somebody, uh, and I I think if you're going to be with somebody for three or four weeks, you want to at least like them and get along with them, and and so during the um, the casting process, I would always spend a few minutes before and after with someone who not only showed me their acting chops and how good they were, but I also wanted to take an extra moment with them and, and talk with them a little bit and, and see what they were all about, because I really want to like the people I'm working with. And I, I think we did the same thing, not only in this film with the actors, but I think we did it with the crew as well. Um, we, we, we didn't do a formal interview but uh we informally we did talk to a lot of the crew before they were hired that's a good way to do it um one of the key things with uh production and everything is location uh the location that you chose it was it kind of a easy like tight-knit area or did you have like multiple locations well we we had multiple locations but what really decided uh that we, we filmed this film in southern New Hampshire, and um, I actually filmed my first film here as well. Um, and the reason we did the A-plate here is uh, most important one was finding a dealership to use. Um, and when once we found the dealership, then we knew we could find the rest of our locations around that. But obviously, because it's about a dealership, it was the toughest location to find, and we just happened to find one here in southern New Hampshire. So it worked out very, very well for us. That's awesome. Um, as the uh, as being the writer and director of this, um, do you allow the cast to improv, or do you like to keep them on the script? Well, I like to at least get the shot that as written. Uh, but with 
when you have the time, which I try to allow for in most of, of the scenes, um, I did want to see some improv. But it's funny you should mention that because uh, I think finding the, letting the improv happen to find the comedy was, was more important to me than during the dramatic parts or the, uh, or the sensitive parts of the script or the warmth of the script. I think, I think the way I wrote that, that, was, uh, that didn't need much uh, improvising at that point. You know, so I did, I did uh, allow them to improvise. And, and Sir McMurray, just as an example, you know, he's such a talented guy and, and so funny. He's been in so many things, dramatic and comedic. Um, he, he was just incredible. Him and I would laugh so much on the set. And his instincts were so much better than, in some cases, than anything I could have written. So, yeah, I, I wanted to see Sam kind of improvise when he could and when we could find the time to do that. Oh, that's that's amazing when you can get somebody on set like that where you're just like, just let them have at it. Oh yeah, and he and he always came through because I would just tell him, you know, Sam, why don't you just play with it a little bit? And and he would he would just riff right on it, and it was perfect. Uh, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, most of what he had. I wish I could have used the. Uh, some of the things he used for the same scenes over and over again. I could have made a whole different movie with some of the improvisation he did. It was just fantastic. All the cast was, but Sam in particular. Uh, can't wait for those deleted scenes. <laughs> it would make a nice blooper reel, that's for sure. Uh, definitely. Um, from the first draft, of, from the first draft of the script to the final cut, what are your feelings towards the finished product? Well, when you finish the product, you always, uh, I, I think it's fair to say that you feel you did your best and you put everything forward and you, and you, and you it, through every a portion of the process, you were doing your best and delivering your best. I can tell you now, after a couple of years have passed, that I can see things that I might have done different or things I might have changed. But I think that's true with, with, with all filmmakers. I really do. The more filmmakers I talk to, uh, they all seem to say the same thing. Because you grow as a writer and you grow as a filmmaker. So you can't help but look back on your work and, and say, oh, I wish I, I wish I thought of this or I wish we had done that. But for the most part, when we finished, when we wrapped and we were in post-production and we finished and we delivered the product, um, I, I felt it was the best I could do at the time. I really do. I felt I gave it everything I had. Oh, I definitely agree with you on that one. This was a really good, funny, and heartfelt movie about used cars. <laughs> that um yeah i think you know because you talked to a lot of filmmakers you know the, the filmmaking process is a difficult one but um when you're doing it as a not only as a business but as a labor of love it, it brings out so many wonderful wonderful uh times in your life i mean the four weeks of shooting as an example was just the, the most fun i could ever ask for it was just great and it was hard work and there were long days and we we're doing many pages a day uh being a low budget film but uh when you hire people you like to be with, it just—it's an enjoyable process. I, I can say that firsthand, and uh, it was just a great time. It really was, Josh. That's awesome. And uh, I guess the final question before we wrap everything up: What are your hopes for uh, A Plate as time progresses and more people get a chance to see this uh, funny, great movie? Well, now that it's been released on uh, VOD, which I think uh, I think you know. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, it's it's available on Dish Network, Amazon, Blockbuster, iTunes. I mean, that's a great rollout for the film. Um, we're, we're still hoping to get it on some kind of cable, whether it's Encore or Showtime. Very more, it's much more difficult to get these films on those platforms now, though, only because all those um, cable networks are, are, are producing their own product and their own content now and their own original programming. So those opportunities are few and far between. But for the most part, that would be the next thing I, I, I'd like to see happen. I'd like to see it get on cable uh, so people can at least... Because right now, uh, I know people will look for the film, but I'd like to see more people look for the film. And then obviously we're going to look for international rights, uh, selling those soon too. So uh, all good stuff to look forward to, Jaws. Stuff. That's awesome, man. Um, thank you so much, Terry, for coming on the show and talking with us. Uh, can you tell us where we can find you online and if uh, if you want to tell us about any of the upcoming projects you have coming? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, both those can be answered with one. Uh, my website would be creativebalancefilms.com. Uh, it's the name of my company, which is Creative Balance Films. And if I can just jump in and say that the reason I named my company, that is exactly what we've been talking about in this interview, is that I think when you make a film, I always I wanted to come up with a name that represented to me what it was to make a film. And when I named my company Creative Balance Films, it's because I really believe it takes a creative balance of people to make the film. Um, so you can find it, again, at uh, creativebalancefilms.com. Uh, you can find my bio and my producer's bio and also um, some upcoming projects we're working on right now and things we, we put into development. So out of the things that you'll see on there, I'm not sure which one will be my third film, but there definitely will be a third film coming. Um, not sure if I'll be going into production the end of 2015 or the beginning of 2016, but if uh, anybody wants to visit the website and contact me through there, I'd love to hear from them. Awesome, man, and I hope uh, definitely we'll be able to talk about those upcoming projects here on Nowhere, California.